0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're at the end of Romans 11. It'll be our last message. In verses 30 through 32, we talked about the mercy of God and how that is manifested and in verses, uh, the last section here, verses 33 through 36, we're going to look at uh, God's glory being magnified. And let's, let's look at, or let's read, uh, let's read the verses and then we'll share some thoughts here together. Romans 11 verses 33, Bible says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God and now in literature there's a thing called a chiastic structure and in literature it's a short list of ideas that are then repeated in reverse order order it gives a mirroring effect a and b so look at this wisdom and knowledge of God that's that's uh, a b and then it'll mirror it back b and then a I'll give you an example. You ever hear the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going? That's an example of Chaiism. That's that's a literary structure. Going and then tough, and then it mirrors back tough and then going. And then this last section here of a doxology of God's glory, we see that. And when you continue to read uh, and look at it in verse number 34, we'll see how this plays out because the wisdom and knowledge in verse 33 is balanced out in verse 34. Watch what it it says. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? That, That mirrors back to knowledge, the mind of the Lord. That mirrors back to verse 33 when it talks about knowledge. And then it says in verse 34, or who hath been his counselor? You see that? that mirrors back to verse 33 when it says knowledge. So in verse 33, it's wisdom, knowledge, and then Chaiism balances those phrases out that have a similar meaning, and then mind of the Lord and counselor in verse 34. It's just an example of how rich and complex God's Word is. It's a literary structure like none other, and so praise His holy name for it. Uh, But when you look at here, it says... uh, How unsearchable, verse 33, are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And Paul, he's in the midst living in the midst of a world that has gone dark, like as we are. Satan as the prince of the power of the air. Enemies of the cross of Christ abound. Grievous wolves uh, have snuck in. Perverse men are abounding. I mean, Paul's about to be in bonds and afflictions. And, And in the midst of all of this, he's giving praise to God. He knows God has a purpose, and as should we know this, and he breaks forth in this last section of Romans 11 in a glorious praise of adoration to our great God, and that's what we're doing this morning. You get to a point where you just kind of have to settle down all the logical arguments about God's glory and just break forth in worshipful adoration and that's how he ends this just worshiping God showing how magnificent God is and how glorious he is amen look at verse number 33 oh the depth that's the awe-inspiring admiration that we attribute to our holy God It's when we can't see all there is to see about how great God is. Oh, the depth. And then it says, of the riches. His riches are inexhaustible. His riches are indescribable. His riches are undefinable. They're so deep and so rich. His riches are inexpressible. They're immeasurable, they're incalculable, they're ineffable. That's so sacredly vast are God's riches that we can't even begin to express them in words. We could go around and say, let's bless the Lord, let's give glory to God and each and every one of us would have something to say. We can go around it again, we can go around it again. And we wouldn't exhaust the depth and the riches of our great God. They're limitless. They're infinite. Oh, how unsearchable the riches of Christ are. This is how Paul is ending this chapter giving glory to God. Look at verse 33 again. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. We must be mindful not to just look at the Bible as just man's history, beginning with the fall from Adam and then running its course. We have to be careful. We don't just view the Bible as a secular historian would view or present books. How would a secular historian present a book? They would leave God out you don't leave god out this is the whole point of this section at the at the end of romans chapter 11 the bible it's not that simple to just say it's the history of man rather it's the history of god's wisdom and knowledge in his dealings with us as sinful men it's about god and his glory and his wisdom and his knowledge And we got the best history book laying right in our lap this morning. It tells us who God is, where we came from, why we're here, and what his grand purposes are for us. You won't ever get that out of a college textbook or a government schooling textbook. You won't. Their purpose is to leave God out. That's why, that's why in, the, in the early 60s, they got rid of the best history book that was given to man. They, they want to leave God out. And they've done a good job of doing it. But we're not. It's all, it's all about God and His glory. Amen. Praise His name. Verse 33. Romans eleven thirty three. How unsearchable are His judgments. You know, God's judgments, it's the product of his wisdom. And then it says, And his ways past finding out. I'd like you to get two spots if you could. Get Acts 13 and Psalms 77. Acts 13 and Psalms 77. Keep your place in Romans 11. We'll do Acts 13 first, and then we'll do Psalms 77. Let's see what the Bible says in Acts 13, verse number 10. And said, uh, Acts 13, verse 10, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? How do you think God's ways are? Truthful or untruthful? Truthful. Amen. With integrity or without integrity? integrity? That's right. And this world will continually, it don't matter if you're a sorcerer or if you're just an unbelief, you're just part of this world system, they will always and forever try to distort the right ways of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 they do always err in their heart. Why? And they have not known my ways. Young people, if you've been brought up in a Christian home, you know the right ways of the Lord. If you've been brought up in church, if you attend church, if you're faithful to your local church, you know the right ways of the Lord. The idea is to live them out there amongst a perverse world. That's the idea. God's ways. Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Let's look at else God says. Psalm 77, verse number 19. Psalm 77, verse 19. The Bible says, Thy way is in the sea. And thy path in the great waters and thy footsteps are not known. You know what God's way is? It's a delivering way. You know who went through the sea? (laughs) That'd be the Israelites. Uh, That's God's way. He's He's a deliverer. He can get you out of a tight spot. His ways are a delivering way. And he possesses the almighty power to do so. You can't get anybody to cross the Red Sea, but He can. And you know what you're going to do? You know what God's going to do? After He brings you past, after He brings you through the Red Sea, you know what He's going to do? He's going to cause the ocean and the waves to cover up your tracks. His ways are so vast that no one's going to go back and say, yeah, this this is the footsteps of where God delivered His people. That's how vast his ways are. You're not going to be able to figure out, and this lost world isn't going to be able to figure out which way God took you. He's going to protect you. He's going to protect you. Cover up the tracks. Man can't determine God's ways. That's the idea of Psalm 77. And you know what else? Man can't track God's ways. You know how it is hunting season now. Get a deer, that deer goes off. What are you gonna to do with to that deer? You're gonna track that deer. You can't do that. Man can't do that with God. Man's ways don't even come close to God's ways. His ways are it's like trackless water. His ways are so vast, it's like the waters are the water the, 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 the great ocean waters. That's how deep his ways are. And it's exactly why Paul. He can stand in midst of a world it's full of idolatry. And he can give praise to God in his glory. Church, that's what he wants us to do. Give praise to him. The world's so bad. Yeah, it's always been that bad. Give him praise. Look at verse 34. Romans 11. Romans 11 I'll get Isaiah forty and Ephesians one. Isaiah chapter forty and Ephesians chapter number one. Hang tight in Romans eleven, though. We'll get our spots here, and we'll continue on Ephesians chapter one, Isaiah forty. And then Romans chapter 11. We'll do Romans 11 first, then we'll jump over to Ephesians 1. Romans 11, the next verse, in verse 34, the Bible says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Anybody want to guess what the answer is? That'd be nobody. (laughs) None. Nobody has known the mind of the Lord. Until what? Until Ephesians 1, until God unfolds his mind, a little bit to us here and a little bit to us there. Look at Ephesians 1. Uh, Verse number 8, rather. Uh, Chapter 1, Ephesians, verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, how? Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself you can know the mind of the lord but not without god unfolding it and making it known unto you and unto me that's pretty good now go to isaiah i want you to see this in isaiah 40 isaiah chapter number 40 isaiah chapter 40 this is a good good verse watch this isaiah 40 and it'll be verse number 15. Isaiah 40, 15, watch this. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Man, people boast. Man, I I talk to Trump. I... I I talk to DeSantis. You know what they are? Bits of dust. I know who I, I know who Mark Zuckerberg is. I know who Bill Gates is. I know who uh, you know who, you know who they are? I'll tell you what they are. Bits of dust. God is so much glorious. He's so much more magnificent. I want to hear somebody praise God's name. I want to hear somebody give glory to God's name. Not secular people that are successful in a secular world, in carnal matters. It's all going to pass away. How about God? Amen. Amen and praise the Lord. Give glory to His name. All of us are bits of dust. Isn't it glorious that we're saved? Isn't it wonderful we can tell others about a name that is above every name? Amen. He's never going to fall off the Forbes 500 list or whatever you call it. He's always going to be the name that is above every name. Amen. That's our great God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Turn to Jeremiah chapter number 9. Right after the book of Isaiah, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter number 9. Jeremiah 9, Romans 11 talks about, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Uh, The mind of man has been made into a God down here on this world. It's full of conceited wisdom. And the mind of man claims that it has a full analysis of everything and everyone. It's just conceit. And it's not not true at all. The mind of man is extremely limited. And anyone that doesn't disagree with that, they just haven't taken a look at God's character. (laughs) You might say your mind isn't limited when you compare it to a third grader. You might say your mind isn't limited when you compare it to me. But when you compare it to God... You don't even show up on the list. God's mind, the mind of God is so much bigger. Look at Jeremiah chapter 9. Look at verse 23. Man, this is powerful. You can read it. You don't even have to preach it. It preaches itself. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For all these things I delight, saith the Lord. God, his mind, unlimited. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2. Verse number 9, Bible says, 1 Corinthians two nine. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, what type of things? The deep things of God. We, we've we got two ears, two eyes, and a heart, and we can't fully comprehend God. Love, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. mind. You want to get the mind of God, start loving Him like He asks us to love Him. With all of your mind. Get your mind in tune with the mind of God. You ever hear, man, I just pray the preacher gets, us the, gets it's the mind of God. All right? Do We do that, especially every year. We're going to have our Bible conference. You can come up at the end of April this year. And set a march because of the building project and all that. But you know what we pray? Man, we pray for the preachers that they would get the mind of God so that they can minister to us. Why? We don't want what's on their mind. <laughs> you don't come here to get, well, let's see what's on Brother Jimmy's mind today. You don't want to know that. A lot of things on my mind have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. Right? As time goes on, some of you youngins, you got, you know, your mind's way off the Bible. You're worrying about, you know, what's for lunch and all all that. Our minds wander. We got to get the mind to God. That'll keep us on track. God's mind is so great and so infinite, we have to digest it in little pieces. That's why the Bible talks about precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. There's been some sermons. I've been so deep in study, I'm exhausted. There's been some sermons that I've preached and afterwards some of you have said, man, I, I, that, that that too much. You get too much of the mind of God, it'll exhaust you. A little bit here, a little bit there. That's God. That's God. He's revealed them unto us by His Spirit. By His Spirit. Yes, sir. Um, go down to verse 14 because you can't get the mind of God. You can't absorb really much of it or any of it for that matter. Unless you get divine revelation. Look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Do you know there are things that God has for you as a saved man or as a saved woman that he doesn't have for lost people? Do you know that? If you have to receive things by the spirit of God and a natural man doesn't have the spirit of God and he can't receive them, then obviously God has stuff for us that he doesn't have for them. So when you get saved, there's a whole bunch of stuff you and I got to learn about the mind of God. Why? Because we were a natural man before and they weren't revealed to us. And if they were, we couldn't understand them anyway. You know what a lost man can understand? Natural revelation. God created. God gave me a conscience. He gave me light. I have truth. I can either hold it in unrighteousness or I can just look up, trust God, believe God. God's given every man that light. But there's a whole lot of light from God that we can get as saved people. And he's got it. It's here. It's in his book. It's in his word. That's why Paul can give him such a glorious adoration of holy praise at the end of Romans 11. Job says, canst thou by searching find out God? Stay in 1 Corinthians. Stay in 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 3. I'll read you Romans 11, uh, and then, but I'd like you to stay in First in Corinthians when we make some comments. In Romans 11, verse 34, it says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor? You, we can't give God advice. God doesn't ask you and I for advice. He wants us to advise each other Get good counsel. If you're going to do something major, you know what you should do? Seek counsel from your church family. A few brothers in the church, a few sisters in the church. If it's a major deal, get some counsel from your pastor. He doesn't have all the answers, but he does have some counsel that he can give you. Not on minor things. We don't need to be calling each other up on, on, on simple things. But if you're going to get something major done, get some counsel. Talk to some people. But God, He is incapable of being counseled, let alone being counseled by you or I. There's something God can't do. He can't be counseled by me. He can't be counseled by you. Bible says, In Isaiah 40, 13, who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord or being His counselor hath taught Him? I should have asked you to stay there. The answer is nobody has taught God. Nobody has. I asked you to stay in 1 Corinthians. Look at chapter 3. Bible says in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 3, verse 19, for the wisdom of this world Is foolishness with God? For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, they are vain. And this is where all the world's counselors, and authors, and philosophers they all fail, but not God. Not God. Who hath been His counselor? He's not taking counsel from you. He's not taking counsel from angels. He's not taking counsel from seraphims or cherubims. He's the Almighty God. And Paul's given him glory and praise at the end of this chapter. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Isaiah chapter 9. Wonderful Counselor. You could say that he's Wonderful As a counselor. You could say that he's wonderful and a counselor. You could say he's just the wonderful counselor. All of it works because he's so glorious. You want to get some good counsel? Stay in the word of God to get the mind of God and you'll get the counsel of God. Nobody can answer this challenge. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who, Who can be his counselor? Nobody can answer the challenge. It's best to just get under the shadow of the Almighty just get under his shadow that's what paul's doing romans 9 10 11 is so rich in doctrinal truths about god's purpose and plan for israel and then gentiles and i mean it's a magnificent past present and future doctrinal dissertation if you will and then it all ends with a magnificent praise of his glory go back to romans 11 we've got two more verses and then we'll be done. Romans 11, verse number 35. Okay, now at the end of verse 36, we're going to preach verse 35 right now. But the end of verse 36, what does it say? What's the last word? Amen. Amen. I need to hear everybody. What does it say? The last word of the chapter. Amen. 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 All right, so we're going to come back to that at the end of the message. And I'm going to call on you to give God praise with one word, and that one word is, what is it, young people? Amen. 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 I need to hear just the young people, those that are those that are under 20. What? Amen. Amen. I need it louder than that. What is it? Amen. Amen. All right, we've got to hear. Paul's giving glory to God. I don't... Do you kids play sports? You ever play sports? Okay, we—I see that hand. Did you ever have somebody in your team kick a goal? Yeah, and everybody screams and shouts. I'm talking about the glory of God. I'm young people. You can stand up and shout, Amen! "Amen!" What do we? How can the world give praise to God? Give, give praise to the world, and God's people can't give praise to His name. Somebody shoots a basketball. Somebody scores a touchdown. And everybody goes crazy. Touchdown! Yeah! Our team won! You're not on the team. You never will be. (laughs) (laughs) You're not good enough to be on the team. You never will be good enough to be on the team. You're on God's team. You're on the winning side. You can shout, Amen! Amen! That's His glory. So a little preaching on a Sunday morning. I just... I get excited sometimes. It's God, it's God. all right? This is, let's get back to verse 35. Romans 11, verse 35. Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Now we love as, as men, we all do this, and women, we love to think of ourselves as creators and inventors and all of that. But we're only able to use what God has given us anyway. We really should just look to him and thank him. We love to boast about our greatness, our progress, our discoveries for a short time and then the undertaker takes us. We really should just thank God that he's allowed us To discover some things or make us think that we discover things that he knew about all along. That's really where we where we should be. Bible says in Romans 1135, or who hath first given to him? No one ever gave to God. It's a rhetorical question. Back in the book of Job, his friend Elihu says to Job, if thou be righteous, what givest thou him? In other words, Elihu's saying to Job, you didn't give God nothing. And then he he asks him, he says, or what receiveth he of thine hand? You didn't give nothing to God, Job. Because God is incapable of being obligated to man. It's another thing God can't do. He can't be obligated to you or me or anybody. He is in no obligation to any of us. That's how glorious He is. And if we call on God, any of us, we're not calling on God, hey God, I got something for you. Look what I did with my hands that I have for you, God. You know, just in case you might have missed it. No. If we call on God, it's simply as poor, humble beggars crying out to Him God, give me something. Let me receive something from you. That is salvation. Amen. We point people to the Savior and say, well, you receive the free gift. The nails went through His hands. And He offers a gift to us. Amen. And He's not obligated, but He loves us. Yes, sir. That's why He did it. When Paul says in Romans 11.35, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. If you could supply something to God, should that ever be the case, God would recompense you. He would reward you. Do you know why? Because he will never be in anyone's debt ever. But the bottom line is, any righteousness that you do have, it was only imputed to you or imputed to me from God, and that's the way it is, always will be. They'll never be obligated to anybody. Last verse, verse 36, Romans 11. Bible says, for of him he is the great cause, he's the great source, he's the great God. And through Him, God is the mediator. He upholds all of us. He upholds our existence. And then the Bible says, And to Him are all things. God is the necessary object of our worship. And we serve Him and His ways and His purposes. That is why we worship all things. The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, you, the atmosphere, all of it. God then it says to whom be glory forever what's the last word amen Amen. God's glory is unapproachable so let the redeemed sinner all of us as redeemed sinners we can echo back giving God glory amen Amen. let the redeemed sinner say Amen. Amen. amen God's glory it's unfathomable it's unsearchable Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. 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 (laughs) God's glory, it's unimpeachable. You're not going to impeach God. It's all His glory. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. So let all God's people say Amen. amen and amen.